I think we should just do a meta opening and what you just said should be the beginning of the episode. Wouldn't what? that be cool? What did I just say? Because you just you just explained how you wanted to start the episode, and I'm saying let's be postmodern and have the episode start like that. <laughs> or, right? <laughs> right? Well, right? No. <laughs> oh, okay. Hi, everybody, cool. and welcome to another um, intellectualist guide to movies about people kissing each other. Oh, wait, no, no. A Gentleman's Ooh. Guide to Rom-Coms. That's what it is. Uh, I don't ever have to buy a thesaurus because you are my thesaurus. <laughs> Welcome, everybody, to another Gentleman's Guide to Rom-Coms. My name is Kelly McCrillis, and always with me is my extremely funny co-host. Hey, 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 tell, kids. It's tell Ryan Graves. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> Uh, last week, uh, we did a film, a new film called happiest season and we review it and, uh, gave our stark opinions about it. And we've, we've had a, a really interesting back and forth conversation with one, uh, Rachel Perel Foskett, um, who seemed to have a different opinion than us. And I thought she made some valid points and I still stick by what I said. What about you? We did. Oh, I mean, uh, we're definitely stubborn in our views. We're, sure. we're un, <laughs> but I think we did come to a new understanding yes. of one another and of a different perspective on the film. And there's nothing like having a good friend with a good heart um, and who's very smart and intelligent to lend us that perspective. Uh, let's just have her kind of say it in her own words here. Yeah. So we asked her to send us a a recorded a recording of her rebuttal, just a summarization of a three-page email that was a back and forth between us. So let's let's hear what she's got to say. Recording, perfect, great. Um, why don't you go ahead and clap? Three, two, one. Great. I I heard it. Three, two, one, clap. Uh, switching back to Scarlet. Okay. Whoa, I can hear your whole room. (laughs) Yeah, just like the truck, the trucks rolling by. It's like, mm, okay, well, I, I think we should still, yeah, go through a, like a little bit of a, this is who we are, this is what we're doing, like an initial, like, just our feeling just a little bit, not like where we go talk about the movie, but it's just like, let's just get into it a little naturally and then I'll segue us into it. What, what did I just say? (laughs) Or, (laughs) well, no. <laughs> Hi, everybody, and welcome to another um, intellectualist guide to movies about people kissing each other. Oh, wait, no, no. A gentleman's guide to rom-coms. That's what it is. Uh, 
uh, you complete me with your thesauruscism. That was nothing. Um, oh, wait, so you want me to construct a joke live on air with you? Okay. Um, hey, can you, can you, can you, here, I got it. Can, can you, um, can you give me another word for dinosaur? <laughs> well, why don't you just go get a thesaurus? It'll tell you. <clears throat> hey, um, do you know another word for dinosaur? Uh, maybe check in a thesaurus. <laughs> yeah, I think if we if we do comedy, um, there's going to be some. I, I think there's going to be a little bit of a. Um, I, it could bring down society. Welcome everybody to another gentle <laughs> Welcome everybody to another gentleman's guide to rom-coms. My name is Kelly McCrillis and always with me is my extremely funny co-host. Tell Tell him you okay. <laughs> um uh, last week, uh, we did a film, a new film called Happiest Season, and we review it and uh, gave our stark opinions about it. And um, we've we've had a a really interesting back and forth conversation with one uh, Rachel Perel Foskett, um, who seemed to have a different opinion than us. And I thought she made some valid points. And I still stick by what I said. What about you? Sure. Yes. And there's nothing like having a good friend with a good heart um, and who's very smart and intelligent to lend us that perspective. And um, uh, let's just have her kind of say it in her own words here. Oh, shoot. Come on. The only thing is that uh, I had some critiques, and then we started fighting for like three days, and then I conceded. I said, hey. So, so what's unfair about this is that since we had her on a recording and not live, we can just have the final word, <laughs> and we could be really unfair and be like, well, we disagree with that rebuttal, so boom, <laughs> roasted. But well, let's not do that. Let's We'll be gentlemanly. And I think I'll say... Um, I'll do what Donald Trump should do and concede the points and concede <laughs> that uh, she this is this is a good point. All the points she brought up are totally valid. And, and our our back and forths in the emails was like, so you like the movie for reasons. We didn't like the movie as much for reasons. And we're both correct. So Rachel's last point 
or penultimate point, because she did talk about Jane being a good character, and we all agree Jane's a great character in this movie. Um, her penultimate point was, um, and she kind of sprung it on us because she never gave us two of this in the email. She just sprung it in this recording. So this is new information to me is that perhaps Clea Duvall is trying to take the trope that she had been stuck with, uh, as a viewer of, um, when, uh, queer characters are on screen, they're usually really boring or m- more, more what happens is that they're shown very stereotypically, um, but stereotypes are flat and there's nothing interesting about stereotypes. And it's just um, kind of nails on a chalkboard when you get something like that. And, you know, for me, what I didn't like about the movie was that the character felt flat and felt really dull and just wasn't uh, interesting. And what Rachel is suggesting is perhaps that's the point to make us feel that pain of like, see, doesn't it suck when you have these characters like that? And I think, if that is what Clay is trying to do, I get it, but I still think that's fighting fire with fire, and maybe that's not the most helpful. But there is something to be said for subversive filmmaking, so uh, I'm not going to be, you know, I'm not totally against the idea, but I don't think it's the most helpful idea either. What did you think, Kelly? I I kind of agree with you because here's the thing: the the gay best friend trope is something that uh, we went hard on against in. Um, to all the boys I loved before, for instance, yeah. and it's a. I'm, I, I get like that is a that is an instinct of like kind of um, throwing mud back in somebody's face that I get. It's it's not a, it's not necessarily the most um, interesting move because you're still making flat characters, and I think you and I respond to flat characters as being boring no matter what, and so I don't think it's like the most. <laughs> subversive interesting move that you can make as an artist maybe it was just trying to be a not so subtle point and you know if so great but i'm still gonna call them out in movies because they are bad character choices if you're writing characters like that and they're bad in movies where they have you know gay characters be flat or stereotypical or straight characters and if this is the only movie that you need to make that point in in order to make that point in great but again it was you're right it was just kind of a flat choice i i got this picture i don't know what fight this is in but i was thinking when you said when you throw mud when mud's been thrown at you i'm like this sounds like a george r r martin character reaction and that character will ultimately wins so you know that instinct works for some people oh like the the sand in somebody's eyes (laughs) yeah yeah it's like well if you want to win the fight sometimes you do got to throw sand in someone else yeah sometimes you do so maybe if that was clay's intent look at us we just got punked (laughs) (laughs) but now we can't see her and we're swinging our sword wildly (laughs) and we're like ah sand in my eyes but i feel like this is this is the kind of movie that i've been wanting for such a long time and making those flat characters just, I don't know. It was just another set of flat characters, which like, yeah. Remember when we watched knocked up? Uh, I do. I remember the roommates. They're all super flat characters and we, we didn't really like the roommates either. (laughs) Yeah. We were like, we could do without them for most of this time. We don't need them. And I, I felt similarly about like, or I guess I felt like those characters were, were fine and we could have done without them, but the characters in happiest season, it was more so that I was like, you could do 
more to make these interactions more filled with depth. And that reflects, again, on um, Mackenzie Davis's character, too, because the more depth one character has that another character you know, has fear of or is interacting with, uh, that brings out the richness of our main characters as well. Yeah, and I, I feel like, you know, well, let's move on to... F- uh, what are we talking about for Christmas? Yeah, but but Rachel um, Rachel does make some really good points, and I feel like we could have um, definitely stepped up to the plate a little bit more with our our yeah, interest in like the the behind the scenes of that film. Definitely, and I I think um, I think I wished this. I hope this point got made last time, and I, I'll I'll say it again: is that Rachel's totally right about we all agreed in the emails. Like, yeah, the gay characters are the most interesting characters. Um, not well partly that's because she wasn't trying at all with the straight characters for one but just just on their own like Aubrey Plaza and uh, Kestu is just they're really great yeah. we really and, like them in this and movie. I guess lastly I, I don't think Alison Brie I don't think she was trying to make a bad flat character with Alison Brie I think she was trying to give her depth I just wasn't as interested in the depth that was being given yeah, just something something didn't gel. But speaking of something not gelling, <laughs> not gelling. Oh, also, hey. what are we talking about? Um, you know what I like that you just said because maybe somebody's gonna like this movie a ton and write us. I just wanna I wanna <laughs> preface every, almost every episode with, um, you know what? You're right and we're right, and you're wrong and we're wrong, and we're all right. And so, hey, we're all right, people. You know, that should be a podcast. We're all right. Yeah. But it's we're A-L-L space R-I-G-H-T. And it's about people agreeing to disagree. Yeah, I like that. And Rachel's one of the best people to do that with. Every year, Brad and Kate spend the holidays avoiding their families. No flights are coming in and no flights are going out. This isn't happening. Do you have a sister airline? No, I'm sorry. How about a cousin airline? No, we don't. How about like an airline that your airline's felt up before? But this year... Where are you headed for the holidays? They'll be forced to celebrate... Hi, Mom. It's my dad. They just saw us on the news. With all of them. Okay, he's going to give you a big hug when he sees you, Mom. I'm not hugging anybody. He's very excited about the hug. From New Line Cinema... We just got to get through these four Christmases as quickly and as painlessly as possible. Merry Christmas, Mom. Hey, Dad. Good to see you, Mom. Merry Christmas, Dad. Hey, these are my brothers, Denver and Dallas. You must be Orlando's girl. Orlando? We're all named after the cities that we were conceived in. That's disgusting. Oh, my God. Four families. Bradley, I'm not trying to be your father. I'm hoping for a chance to be your friend. Well, you were my friend. You were my best friend. But now you're sleeping with my mom, and it's a little bit weird for me. One day. That's you? Mom, did you put that on the mantle? I love that photo. You look huge. I ate my feelings, Brad. She must have had a lot of bad feelings. (laughs) No mercy. You left me in the jump jump to die. I thought you were waving at me like, hey, I'm getting past my fears. (laughs) What would cross my mind over this to think that you could possibly be getting shanked by four-year-olds? How can you really appreciate someone for who they are unless you know them? My brothers, they're trained UFC fighters. Soldier boy, soldier boy! You're a sissy. All they want for Christmas. I just gotta adjust it. Pull the damn thing. Too much. Is an exit strategy. Vince Vaughn, Reese Witherspoon. Hello. Jags and projectiles. I'll move on it. Four Christmases. 
Dad, you gotta get out of here. Dad. I can't breathe. I wouldn't do it too. Here, let's. Before we say anything bad or how we felt about this movie, Ryan, I want you to tell me one thing you loved about this movie, just so we can start off on that note. <laughs> Vince Vaughn getting punched in the face. <laughs> oh, by by John Favreau. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> or by his kid. Yeah. Yeah. Um. I really like Vince Vaughn getting punched in the face. This re okay, well, um, this reinvigorated my love for um, Reese Witherspoon. I think she's great. Um, I think she's a good actress, and um, I was delighted to see that Mary Steenburgen is in every Christmas movie. Yes, she belongs here, and she belongs in Elf. So, where were you for the last thirty years? The North Pole. Can you pass the maple syrup, please? I I didn't put it. It's spaghetti. And well, and in Happy Season, she belongs there too. But she's. I think she's in. Maybe maybe we could do a percentage uh, at some point in time. But maybe she's in like fifty percent of Christmas films. Well, let's call it out now. Let's just let's just uh, address the Steenburgen issue here. Okay. Um, that's what it's called. It's the Steenburgen oh, issue. Oh, I your like film it. Textbooks. Look it up. The Steve. The Steenburgen um, paradox. <laughs> And it's something to, uh, as a kind of like uh, a another. Cons- what do you call it? I'm going to give peanuts to the concession. What do you What do you call? It? What am I doing? Wait, are you talking about I'm, like a peanut gallery? I, I don't know, but I, I'm I'm conceding partly the point that Mary Steenburgen is just as whatever in this movie as she is in Happiest Season. The mom characters, no matter what genre you're in, are just kind of basic. Unless you're Diane Keaton. You got to be Diane Keaton. But if you're Steen, I think the Steen version rule, that's what we'll call it. The Steen version rule. If you're the protagonist's side mother character, you're more likely to be basic than something interesting. Yeah. Yeah. And this, <laughs> this movie barely asked um, depth of its main characters, let alone its side characters. So Ryan, without further ado, as much as I hate for you too, why don't you tell me a story? Tell me a story, Turk. Let me tell you a story about love, D'Artagnan. I ask you about love, probably quote me a sonnet. I'm not much more than an interpreter, and not very good at telling stories. That's the end. What do you mean, that's the end? That's not. It's the beginning of something interesting. Listen, that's the end of that saga. The end. Okay, here's a story. So you've got, we're in San Francisco, modern day. Or it's not even that modern day because this was made in like 2007, um, which was a while ago. Yeah, yeah um, it feels like 2007. <laughs> yeah. Um, so they're this happy couple who are staunchly not married, that they don't want to get married and they don't want to have kids. They're very happy being uh, dinks together. Double income, no kids. Ooh, nice. I didn't know that one. Lingo. Did you ever watch Doug? Yeah. Yeah. Back in the day? Remember yeah. the dinks that is live that next why they're door? named that? Because they're di- cool. Uh-huh. I had no Doug idea. Trivia. Hey, Timmy, do you remember the first time I asked you to dance? Yes, dear. And do you remember what you said? Yeah. Go away and leave me alone. Oh, you do remember, but you finally said yes at our senior prom. As I recall, I swept you right off your feet. And into the refreshment table. Still, wasn't that hospital room nice? Double in. 
double income, no kids. So they're double income, no kids. So they're swanky rich in San Francisco, which means they're really rich. (laughs) San Francisco is like the third, second, second most expensive city in America. Yeah. Right. Um, and every Christmas they lie to their families, uh, so that they don't have to see them. They avoid seeing their family members because his parents are divorced. Her parents are divorced. So they lie to their parents every Christmas and they go on vacation, but they tell their parents that they can't go see them for Christmas because they're doing charity work, but instead yeah, of doing charity like, work. They're like giving sweaters to llamas or something. Something. And <laughs> instead, they go to places like Fiji. So right off the bat, we're not in a great place for enjoying who these people are as people. No, like, <laughs> I, I think, um, so their names are Kate and Brad, because we need to make them more basic. And yeah. uh, Kate and Brad, I'm going to call them Kate, Kate and Brad Dink. Um, yeah, <laughs> the Dinks. Uh, when when you're trying to set up characters for us to like... Um, you, you have to have like an inciting event for a couple that already exists. Like in our last movie, Happiest Season, they went to see Christmas lights and we kind of got like the main issue and we kind of liked them because we liked the chemistry of them together, right? Yeah. Now what this movie does, which is interesting, is it, it sets up this premise that I've seen in a couple other films <clears throat> where they go out to a bar and when we're introduced to our main two characters, we think that they don't know each other because they're on a fake date. So the first interaction we see with each other is where he's like pretending to be a nerdy dude and she's pretending to be like um, somebody that's like doesn't want to put up with his nerdiness. And then they don't get along and she almost exits the bar and then he changes who he is. And um, on this fake date where they're playing two different people's personas and then they have sex in the bathroom. And so it feels it's like role this, playing, really. It's, it's role playing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry. It's role playing. There's a better word to describe everything that I just said. But <laughs> it almost felt like this movie was so afraid. They're like, okay, these people don't actually have chemistry. So we have to show how bad their chemistry could be. And at least they're kind of in the middle between like good and bad in real life. Well, yeah. And we don't know who they actually are. This is our cold open on meeting these people. So yeah. The whole thing is this joke of like, oh, you thought this is how they really were, but we're actually, um, this is this is their role play. So get it? And like, uh, I guess I get it. And to the film's credit, I've had an inclination to do storytelling like this too. So <laughs> I get it, but I didn't make that movie. Uh, but oh, I thought oh I'm sorry. It. I thought you were talking about in real life. Oh, well, I thought you were like, oh, you know what? I really wanted to create this kind of character, too. At oh, a bar. no, 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 no. No, it's OK, Ryan. Tell us more about what you want to do at bars with your wife. Oh, well, to be frank. Um, Wait. Hey, and yeah. I, hey, nice. Um, hey. But to be honest. And, not hey, and and I'm definitely not king shaming out there. Hey, role play at a bar if you want. It's just not interesting in the beginning of this movie. Right. So this is definitely something that Sarah and I have talked about doing, but neither of us have actually gotten the courage to actually <laughs> follow through on it. Sure. Because it's a lot of work. Because yeah, it's it's like it's like improving for, you know, 20 minutes out at a bar. Yeah. And you're but, already married. This is there's a reason why we don't want to do that. So Sarah and I, I agree. I would like to do this where she's at a bar and I approach her and we get to pretend like we've never met. And that does sound pretty exciting to me 
sensually. <laughs> it's fun. So, and that's all I'll say about that. <laughs> it I think it would work in real life. It doesn't work for this movie because we need we we would like to meet the real dinks, but we are getting the role play version of them. And the role play version of them are really gross. And if this is some part of their subconscious, like I don't want to hang out with him because what he does to win over her character is his character is like, hey, bitch, get over here. And I'm like, that shouldn't work for anybody, but it worked for her character. And I'm just like, I don't know how I feel about you two right off the bat. Bitch, I'm talking to you. What did you call me? I didn't stutter. Well, you sure can talk the talk, you crazy little slut. But can you deliver the goodies? I don't give a damn about Connecticut. I hate those cheap earrings. I'm from North Dakota. And this is how we handle our business in the Bison State, Mama. Get your hands off me right now, or I will take you to your knees in front of this entire bar. Promise? Yeah, well, I mean, that's that's the whole thing about role-playing, is that you get to delve into your darker sides. And I don't I don't blame the movie for that. But what what I don't ever get to do, because the only other time that we really get to see them is when they're at their house planning what they're going to Fiji, right? Yeah. And so they're like kind of like we don't want to spend time with our families and so we're going to go crash it at Fiji which sounds fun but like it doesn't really illustrate much of our characters except that they're kind of you know they don't want to spend time with their family which is fine I don't care but the other part of their time is they've like gone to dance class and they have a couple annoying couples there that are like oh when are you two getting married because that's why that's the only reason you could be possibly taking dance classes which is nonsense um but <laughs> then they're like, oh yeah, we just think that marriage is dumb and kids are stupid and we don't want to do it, but it's fine if you want to do it, but it's not for us. And all of these things are fine aspects because I want to know these about their their characters, but like, I don't know. I never felt endeared to them. And right. maybe this is just me wanting, again, something different from a holiday movie. So I'm trying to, I didn't have any expectations for this movie though. I threw them right out the window. Well, yeah. I mean, you look at that poster and you know, like you can't have no expectations because there are these outside things of knowing what kind of movie it's trying to be just from its marketing. Mm-hmm. And you look at the poster and you're like, okay, high key, you know, white background characters are in some goofy pose together. It's going to be kind of a stupid studio comedy. But so there's some basic points that you would hope they would hit. But I think they were aiming and they missed. Like the arrows just missed the mark. And just right. they were trying to develop the characters. So you did your prerequisite of you actually gave us character details, but I don't like them. That's yeah. part two. I yeah. need to like them too. <laughs> and like I kind of like Reese Witherspoon, but I don't like her with Vince Vaughn in this film. Yeah. And so let's talk about this. Yeah. Let's finish talking about the story and then we can talk about yeah, because the, our the ins- actors. Our inciting incident is they've told their family that they're going somewhere in the world and they're going to Fiji and they get to the San Francisco airport and then the fog rolls in and they can't leave for a day and they get interviewed by somebody from the news. And let me tell you what, this is not how news works. <laughs> Because generally they will walk, they won't walk up like apropos of nothing and be like, you need to talk to us now. You're live on air. That's not how news works. They will walk up and be like, hey, is it okay if we interview you? But then since they're on the news, their parents 
all saw them because their parents were all watching the news at the same time, I guess is what we're led to believe. Sure. And so now they have to go to Christmas with all four of their families. Bum, bum, bum. Uh, Which is an okay premise for a film. Like, yeah. it brings up a lot of conflict that these two people are avoiding. And so that is ripe for drama. But then they kept talking about the premise. They're like, oh, man, I can't believe we have to go to our four separate parents today <laughs> of all days. Don't yeah. talk to me because we have to see four separate parents. It's going to take all day. And like they kept Vin- <laughs> describing the movie that they were in. And then Vince Vaughn is like, well, we can't go to my family um, or I couldn't say no to my family. So you should be able to say no to your family. She's like, I can't say no to my family. You should be able to say no to your family. And it's like, like, oh, we're, boy. we're like kind of led to believe that they're perfect at communicating. And then now we're led to believe that they don't communicate. Right. Well, I don't know. So <laughs> the movie bonkers. proceeds. It doesn't, we don't need to take much time. There's not much more to say other than they go to the four different parents and it's kind of episodic in nature that they go hey. to. Hey, yeah. what? Uh, what? Roll credits. Oh, okay. We're done. <laughs> Great. Uh, they go to Vince Vaughn's dad's place first. And so his setup is that his dad is one of those crazy do-it-yourself, on-your-own, kind of live-off-the-land kind of guy um, who's kind of just a, your cheap dad who we have known someone kind of like that, you know? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I've I met this guy before. Yeah, and then yeah. we meet Vince Vaughn's brothers, played by John Favreau, a.k.a. the inventor of Baby Yoda. So let's just give a golf clap to uh, John Favreau. I mean, co-inventor of Baby Yoda was him and Dave Filoni, but John Favreau is the showrunner of The Mandalorian. So we just want to say, John Favreau, respect. This is the way. This is the way. This is the way. I, I know nothing about Favreau's actual um, fighting ability, but I I have to imagine that he really likes to get rough and tumble because he plays a UFC fighter in like that's the whole reason he breaks up with Monica and friends, right? He's an aspiring. Well, he's a, he's a UFC fighter for like a day. So, but sure. he was an aspiring UFC fighter, but he wanted to be the ultimate, the ultimate fighting champion, and he never got to be there. And Monica couldn't just, she just couldn't do it. Okay, you are the worst ultimate fighter ever, <laughs> ever. You know, I have a torn rotator cuff, a hairline fracture in my right forearm, and a severely bruised Adam's apple. But that really hurt. <laughs> Okay, yes, thank you. <laughs> now, now I just want to be really in, in clear the, about Favreau and his UFC right. character roles. And this is obviously not in the same universe because um, Favreau in that universe is like a super millionaire billionaire. And in this universe, <laughs> he, you know, is a low-income backyard fighter dude. Well, you know, Gene Siskel said something to the effect of when you're watching a movie, if you would rather sit with these people at dinner. I may be getting this all wrong, but if you would rather sit with these actors during dinner, then the movie's not very good. If you'd rather sit with the actors and not watch the characters on screen, something to that effect. So we certainly like who they brought in to play all these different roles because you got John Favreau as his fighting brother. I think it's Tim McGraw as the other, as the other brother. Um, then you got Robert Mm -hmm. Duvall as the father who's always solid. Um, so, 
I think that's the one aspect that this movie did right is that the casting is fun. Yeah, I mean, you've got like Sissy Spacek, John Voight, uh, besides the aforementioned St- Mary Steenburg and um, you've got Bergen. Okay, Bergen. Kristen Chenoweth, um, Ma- uh, Katie Mixon, like all these people who are either really good actors in their own right or very good character actors like they're all there all the pieces are there for like quite a quite a stunning cast but man does none of it go get together and i guess maybe that's the point none of these families do exist together yeah so the first one is vince vaughn his dad is kind of crazy living on his own guy and his brothers are literal ufc fighters so the first first episode really is Vince Vaughn getting his ass kicked by John Favreau. And I just like the mm-hmm. baby Yoda inventor kicking the person, Vince Vaughn, kicking his ass. I just like that. Yeah. But anyway, let's move on because Vince Vaughn basically <laughs> learns, or not Vince Vaughn, um, the whole thing is that over the course of this movie, Vince Vaughn is more convinced that families suck. And slowly but surely, Reese Witherspoon is uh, under the delusion that. Um, like she really might be pregnant. Um, she's like she ge- is. She's given a kid to hold, and she's like, "Oh, I this isn't the worst thing in the world. I didn't like holding kids, but I held this kid, and that kind of changed my mind about things." And so that's what yes. she learns there. Well, so then they go to the next house, and it's Reese Witherspoon's mother's house, and, and we meet Mary Steenburgen, who's basic. <laughs> and, and Kristen Chenoweth, who you know, I don't always love, but I thought was good in this i've got a big crush on Kristen chenoweth oh yeah i mean you let's can't explore blame that <laughs> <laughs> she's she's you know my type she's petite she's spunky i like petite spunky women okay but, yeah i can see that but the blonde thing sarah's not blonde so it would never work wow so, <laughs> sorry all the blondes out there um but you're welcome sarah Ryan is blonde. I don't know if you saw that through the radio. No, um, no, I am bald. <laughs> you oh, said well. bald wrong. <laughs> um, so this is, there's a lot of subplots going on here where like Reese Witherspoon gets made fun of for, you know, not having kids by her sister who has a lot of kids. And then we, she also gets made fun of for being this kid who had a bunch of cooties when she was younger and all the kids made fun of for having cooties. And there was this thing where she got stuck in a bounce castle and now she's afraid of bounce castles and has to go confront her fear in order to get this pregnancy test that she took upstairs. And gosh, it sounds kooky and zany, doesn't it? Yeah. So and the mom's dating a pastor. The mom's <laughs> dating a pastor. So we have this other extended sequence where they go to church, church. At, at like... 3 p.m. in the afternoon. I'm like, you either have church at night or in the morning. You do not have it in the afternoon. I there don't is know no what in church... between. <laughs> like, trust me, guys. But you know what they got right is they cast Dwight Yoakam as the pastor. I'm like, sure. This is a very genuine casting. Like, I would cast Dwight Yoakam as the pastor, and I wouldn't think it as a funny, like, casting the way that you put Will Ferrell into anything. It's like, no, you would get Dwight Yoakam to play the pastor. That that is correct. But it's yeah. not so he <laughs> rang true in this moment. And Definitely. then our main characters have to go through this um bizarre sequence of playing Mary and Joseph because Mary Steenburgen has like she's 
all wet for the pastor and she's like you have to be <laughs> yeah wow, what a way to put it <laughs> i don't know she's just sitting there writhing on the seat whenever he looks that's at her. true she's um, she's she's got it bad and and he he's he like mary and joseph didn't show up and so they need somebody from the audience and so she pushes her daughter and her boyfriend into doing this on stage and like <laughs> like Vince Vaughn is more concerned about his performance and she can't swaddle a baby, which is kind of leaning into the fact that she doesn't know. We don't know at this point in time, whether she's pregnant or not. And we're like, Oh, she must maybe be pregnant. And that's why she's so worried about being able to swaddle this baby or not. But what do you yeah. think about the comedy? Cause this was, this was one of those scenes where it was begging you to laugh. So, um, up until this point, the movie was pretty, down to earth in its comedy not like indie down to earth the way that enough said is but more um shoot what's what's a good i i know rachel hates it when we compare movies to other movies. oh yes i would never want to do that (laughs) (laughs) but but there is a baseline of what this movie's kind of imitating it is saying like we're kind of a kooky family comedy but we don't take things too seriously so don't take these characters too seriously Kind of like like a wedding, like other Vince Vaughn movies, like Wedding Crashers. Yeah. Or, Why uh, does Wedding Crashers work so much better, though? Because we're not supposed to really root necessarily for Vince Vaughn, because what he and Owen Wilson are doing in Wedding Crashers is disgusting, and we do want them to learn a lesson, and they do. And so... Yeah, I guess. It's a I, tricky I, thing to have yeah. comedies where your characters start somewhere, and you need them to be rehabbed. And a movie like The Proposal is great, because... Again, we're comparing. Sorry, you're just going to have to deal with it, Rachel. Um, Sandra Bullock in The Proposal is prickly, right? Is that the word you would use? I would say she's prickly. But it's- Also, bef- before Rachel writes us again, she she just doesn't want us comparing movies that are new and novel and groundbreaking to to any other movies and for christmas is definitely not new or novel it is yeah so i think i think she would even give us permission here yeah there is nothing fresh in this movie Um, no it's stinky uh so sandra bullock in the proposal is prickly and it's funny we like her as a prickly character we wouldn't necessarily want to hang out with her but we enjoy watching her be prickly and then you have ryan reynolds to even her out and throughout that movie she learns to be less prickly and there's okay. some redemption there. Our characters don't learn to be anything. I, I think you're hitting on a strong point here where maybe, hey, thank you for sticking with us this long, audience, to this ridiculous podcast that we're doing together as two dudes. But Ryan, talk to me for a second about who these characters are. Yeah, I couldn't get the sense of whether they were supposed to be kind of a phony dink couple at the beginning where they're taking dance lessons together and they have this situation where they role play at bars together and they seem to be simpatico with each other. I don't know if we're saying they're genuinely like a really awesome kick-ass couple at the beginning or they're kind of lucky and they're forcing this. So I wasn't sure if the movie was saying they're supposed to feel a little phony and we want them to have some kind of redemption arc or they're just saying no they're they're a kick-ass couple and they're gonna see they're gonna face some unexpected challenges so i didn't buy either one they were trying to sell me because 
this all comes down to a conversation they have in a car later that we'll get to. But um, eventually we have a couple where one person is willing to evolve and change, that being Reese Witherspoon. And Vince Vaughn likes things the way they are when they have this conversation later, right? Yeah. And But that needs to be set up in a way where it's like one character is very like staunch in their beliefs or something. And the other one is like pretending to be that way or lying to themselves in some way. But I don't know. These characters don't have anything that need to be changed or fixed. Right. They, they seem to be okay as people and yeah, they're lying to their parents and that needs to change, I guess. Yeah. So it's like, don't be shitty to your parents. Like that's a good yeah, rule. Yeah, or do, I guess don't don't lie about who you are. Just be okay with who you are. Yeah. So like, to the movie's credit, it is trying. It's just nothing lands because in the first episode, not until the we, end, anyway. Right. The first yeah. episode with Vince Vaughn's dad, um, we get this uh, portrait of Vince Vaughn is kind of flailing with, you know, his nephews and. There's this stale joke where they, for Christmas, there was a $10 limit, but Vince Vaughn didn't know that. So he bought his nephew an Xbox 360, which made um, his brother look bad because only got his son a flashlight, which I'll admit, I I offered a conciliatory chuckle. I'm like, okay, that's a little funny. Yeah, sure, (laughs) sure. Um, But But then the dad says, well, maybe you'd know about this if you were around the house a little bit more often. And it's like, well, text, text somebody yeah and so it's just like are are we saying like again sorry i'm going to the proposal but that movie makes it very clear that ryan reynolds has this complicated situation with his family that there's like with ryan reynolds he's you know his dad wants him to come home to alaska but he wants to stay out in new york it's a pretty basic conflict of like ryan reynolds like no i want to be in new york and his dad's like no come back to alaska okay like that is more of a like I can see how this is just totally not workable as whatever they whatever their relationship is. But we're just supposed to buy that Vince Vaughn has this unworkable relationship with family because reasons? Like, because they're kooky? Because they always kick his ass? And, like, that's kind of funny that he can't hang out at the house because he always gets his ass kicked. But it's like, <laughs> let's really think about that. It doesn't really hold water more than 10 seconds. Whereas, like, I'm still thinking about Ryan Reynolds' character and the proposal. I'm like, oh, that's rough. That's rough, buddy. Yeah. <laughs> but but with this, it's like, well, tell your UFC brothers to back off because they're literally committing crimes against you by assaulting you every time you come home. Like, yeah, I, I just don't buy it. Uh, I mean, and then we, we have Reese Witherspoon's families. Um, uh, the first family, it, it doesn't seem, it's just filled with a bunch of cougars, but it doesn't make sense why she would is be like, afraid of that. Yeah. Like why she's like, I mean, I get it. You don't always want to go home and spend time with your family sometimes. Cause sometimes it's a freaking chore. Um, I get it. And I love my family. You guys are great, but sometimes it's a chore to hang out on holidays and that's just the way it is because families aren't perfect and we don't all get along 24 seven. So that's a very honest thing, but it doesn't make sense that she's like, Oh yeah, I don't go back there. I haven't been back there for three years. I've been avoiding like all holidays at our house for three years just because my family's like a bunch of cougars and I just can't really deal with it. Yeah. And we didn't get any (laughs) sense of like her relationship with her mother being fractured or, 
damaged in a certain way that she just didn't seem to want to be around them. And I'm not getting enough. So it just seems inconvenient, which makes them seem like assholes. Yeah. And I would be okay with that if they just picked that full on, if they went Mm -hmm. for it full course. And I think if they picked someone that's not Reese Witherspoon because she's America's sweetheart. She's so nice that Who her would persona, you recast her as? I was thinking about this, and I was thinking maybe Mila Kunis would have been Ooh, better. Yeah, because I can Kunis just imagine her just like being around really pleasant people, but Mila Kunis just not enjoying it. And I think Ooh. that would have been funnier if like there was nothing wrong with any of these family members, but it was our main characters, and they could be prickly in a funny way that we'd still enjoy being around them. We don't want to be friends with them, but we can still enjoy watching them. But with Reese Witherspoon. What are you? Are you just are you just a snob? But you're not really a snob. You're Reese Witherspoon, so I don't I don't buy it. Okay, I, I liked your Mila Kunis poll, but let me lay this one on you and see how you feel about it. You ready? Uh huh. Lucy Liu. Oh yeah. Yeah. Like doesn't want to go home to her family. Yeah. I mean, just when we saw her and set it up, I was like, you could play like cool want to hang out with you asshole girlfriend that doesn't want to see her family yeah how about yeah. how about how about our mvp from last week aubrey plaza oh yeah totally aubrey plaza could really do that and um, and and she could do it in a completely different way from april ludgate in parks and rec but still oh, yeah. still achieve the same effect that's how much aubrey plaza would rock this role i think you should lose the first line and the last line and all of the other lines and instead just walk up to the mic and meow really loudly for eight minutes. Okay. Yeah, uh, like every, the more I think about her role in Happiest Season, I'm like, give her more stuff. She oh, is amazing. I read today that they were thinking of doing a sequel for Happiest Season. I'm like, I would, I'm, I'm, I'm in, guys. I'll, I'll go. Yeah. Oh yeah, I, me too, for sure. I'm gonna go, but uh, only if Aubrey's in it. If she's not obviously. in it, I'm not going. Yeah, I don't. I, I, I'll, I'd be interested, but less so. If she yeah. wasn't in it. Um, the, the third house they go to is Vince Vaughn's mom's house. And this sequence worked for me. It's a nice house. This sequence worked yeah, for me. Uh, yeah. Like it, it, it did feel like it was a little bit more consistent where Sissy Spacek, who like the fact that like both Sissy Spacek and um, John Voight are in the same movie together, yeah. but not in this any of the same scenes. I'm like... How is that possible? <laughs> and, and and Duvall, um, just great legend yeah. actors. Yeah, and it, yet they they are never in the same scene with each other. Kind of like The Godfather Two. Um, this Four Christmases is the Godfather Two of shitty Christmas movies. <laughs> and you can put that That's on the poster. stupidest thing you've ever said. And I put love it, it on the poster. Um. So he show like they show up there and they're kind of fighting a little bit because of um, like she feels unsupported by the whole Joseph and Mary play thing and Vince Vaughn's like yeah Vince Vaughn's we doing didn't that, finish that talking thing. about Dwight Yoakam in, in the church let's finish yeah. talking about that okay basically Vince Vaughn I, like they do the thing and Vince Vaughn saves the day for the church and then is loving being at church and stuff. And they have this car ride conversation afterwards where they do the thing where it feels like this script wasn't written. It was 
it was partially written and Vince Vaughn's like, I'll just fill in the holes with some comedy. Yeah. I'll just do comedy at Reese Witherspoon. So it's hard to finish talking about the plot without having to take a detour I'm, to yeah, talk I'm about sorry. the comedy because it is important to like, clearly this movie worked for neither of us. And it's not, it's not necessarily that it's poor storytelling. It's because there were certain things that aren't gelling and you're absolutely right. Vince Vaughn is an improviser. He is a true blue mm-hmm. 100% improviser, and he's really good at it. Do you know who's not an improviser? Reese Witherspoon. Yes, and it's painfully obvious <laughs> that she is completely out of her element. She can't improvise to save her. Like, she is... Yeah, but I don't, I don't necessarily need improvisation in this movie, do you? Well, if you're casting Vince Vaughn, you're gonna get one. Like, that's his brand is to fast talk his way through a scene. That's why he's funny. Like the reason why Will Ferrell is funny in all of his comedies is that he's a boisterous buffoon. And the reason why I hate the movie The Other Guys is they subvert that and he's not a buffoon in that movie. And for me, that movie sucks because Will Ferrell's not being funny. He's not doing his brand. But Vince Vaughn is- Yeah, if you ever want to have a hard time, go watch the dinner scene from that movie. It's <sighs> just- it's it, it doesn't work. No. And Vince Vaughn, the reason why he's good in certain movies is because he's perfect for that movie is that they need the fast-talking improviser and you fill out the cast with other people who know what to do with that. So Wedding Crashers, you have someone like Owen Wilson who's brilliant, who's a really good performer, but also a really good storyteller who has co-written scripts with Wes Anderson. So he can, like a good improvising partner can just keep the scene going really interesting places because all you can do to derail an improv an improv scene is to say no to something. But Owen Wilson's like, I'm going to yes everything you're doing and I'm just going to try and get you to go any different direction and see where we can take this. Okay, what's our backstory? We're brothers from New Hampshire. We're venture capitalists. I'm sick of that. Let's be from Vermont and let's have an emerging maple syrup conglomerate That's stupid. We don't know anything about maple syrup. I happen to know everything there is to know about maple syrup. I love maple syrup. I love maple syrup on pancakes. I love it on pizza. I like to take maple syrup and put a little bit in my hair when I've had a rough week. What do you think holds it up, Slick? It's the first quarter of the big game. You want to toss up a Hail Mary. I'd like to be pimps from Oakland or cowboys from Arizona, but it's not Halloween. Grow up, Peter Pan. Count Chocula. Look, we've been to a million weddings, and guess what? Rocked them all. Owen Wilson knows what to do with him. Reese Witherspoon... It's so it's the most obvious at the very end of the movie when he's on the doorstep at her dad's house and he's just kind of going a million miles a second. And Reese Witherspoon Mm -hmm. is literally all she's doing is going like, yeah, totally. I I totally I get that. Like she can't do she can't keep up with him at all. He's going twice as fast for her. I. I, I, I don't know her capabilities in that regard, but I would I would guess that he's a much better improviser. That doesn't mean he's a better but, actor. He's just better at improvising. No, no. Yeah, but but what this movie has chosen to do is highlight that. Yeah, because that's really his which, own strength. Which I think is it's his only strength, I would think. Well, I know, but but that's but that's like that's like saying, okay, we're not gonna highlight her acting, we're gonna highlight his improvisation. Yeah. So so I don't think she sucks anything away from those scenes. I, I, to me, he was annoying me throughout those scenes where every once in a while, his fast talking, I was like, this is funny right now because it plays into whatever his character's feeling. But after a while, I'm just like, you're just going and going and going and filling up this entire moment with nonsense. And that's why there's no connection between these characters. So the way I saw it is 
I like Reese Witherspoon. I like Reese Witherspoon in a rom-com, you know, Sweet Home Alabama, Legally Blonde. She can be great in this genre. But I think Vince Vaughn is the kind of guy who is there's this 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 vacuum and because Vince Vaughn is the way that he is that he's so charismatic and is just going to go for it and it's a comedy I think no matter what he's just by default making the scene about his brand of of doing things and all Reese Witherspoon Reese Witherspoon can do is stay on script because that's all she's you know what she's best at that's why she wins Oscars is that she goes by the script and she goes off the direction. And that's why she's one of the best actors of this generation. Um, but I think Vince Vaughn just kind of steals the scene every single time. And I actually preferred Vince Vaughn's approach. Like I like him in this movie more than I like Reese Witherspoon. So he never annoyed me, but I can see why he would annoy other people because it's just kind of like, it's so imbalanced that I didn't like it overall. Yeah. Well, and here's the thing. I like that brand of comedy, but what it did for me in this movie is it said, like, I don't love that brand of comedy. It's just something that, like, sometimes is funny to me. Um, But what it does with this movie, I think, is it completely keeps them from having characters. Yeah. And it just says, what we're going to do here is focus on what could be most funny, which in the car is him saying, you know, sometimes I just got to do what I got to do. Isn't it great to like get a high off of like acting on the stage, which is always funny to hear an actor say, but (laughs) like what it, what it does is it doesn't give your scene partner anything to do when you're trying to create conflict in a scene. All she can, like if you're trying to create conflict, trying to get somebody to yes. And you is the wrong approach to uh, creating drama in a scene. Yeah. And because literally their job is to say no. Right. And that's the thing is like the problem, the big problem with this film again is the directing doesn't work is that he doesn't know what he's got right. here or, or maybe he, <laughs> he did doesn't know what just, he's doing. Yeah. <laughs> but it, I, this guy's directed the office parks and rec community. Like that is, that is quite a, a set of shows to be invited to direct on, to not know what you're doing. And so I don't know what it was that didn't work. I but. was I was thinking about it and if I was on if I was assigned this film and I was like and if it was 2007 Vince Vaughn feels like the natural choice of like okay if we really want this to have legs as a comedy we get Vince Vaughn because this film's going to have energy because of what he's bringing to it. I think that's obvious. But I have got to think the studio's like okay well we need we need the female demographic to come out. So we need to bring in someone that would appeal to that side of things. So we're going to bring in Reese Witherspoon. And if I was an inexperienced director, I'd be like, oh, she's a great actress. This will be great. But I can imagine day one, you call action. Vince Vaughn just, just goes, and just is going on his like rampage. And then you watch Reese Witherspoon just kind of stutter back at him just trying her best and it's like this is (laughs) i mean i that's probably the most likely thing that happened this is a lot of us talking out of our butts and creating a situation that's my headcanon of like what what went wrong what happened i i i'm gonna throw one more replacement for her if you if you have to cast if you're like oh i have to have um vince vaughn in this movie i can't have any other actor fill this role then i i know who you have opposite him okay Okay, it I don't know if anybody would have done this, 
Um, not at the time because it's just not the right time period. She's probably just a little bit, maybe a little too old for him in this movie. Julie, Julia Louise Dreyfus. Oh, yeah. She, because like, if you're, if you're wanting somebody who can yes and, but also can be like an asshole when she needs to be like, that's the person you cast in that role. But I just don't think like 2007 is a, a long way off from 19. 89 which is when Seinfeld started yeah but but you're right that's the energy because I feel like that's the kind of that's the kind of actor I'd want to because I feel like Vince Vaughn is just giving and giving and giving and then Reese Witherspoon is just trying her best to hit it back but it's always just this this lame like it's a tennis match but he's just it's just zero to 15 zero to 30 is this how tennis scores go I don't know am I am I anywhere yeah yeah yeah. okay 15 15 15 birdie what kind of sports did you play, Ryan? Let, tell the audience. Okay. This is okay. a little uh, peek inside the pod. I did play basketball. Great. Um, and I was a good little basketball player. Ryan, Ryan's from the street. He, yeah. he He used to dribble and bring his basketball everywhere. Did you sleep with it? No. <laughs> but. <laughs> we'll move I, on from this bit. I didn't, I didn't go to i didn't play on a basketball team but i did go to basketball practice with my friends sometimes and i would shoot baskets by myself while the teams played together so you could say i was pretty good <laughs> um so i don't want to i don't want to see spacek house i don't want to trash reese witherspoon i want to reiterate that she's a great actress it's just yeah nobody's thinking that you don't need to you don't need to double down yeah it's fine this is i'm i'm trying to think of in jazz like in jazz, everyone has to be a good improviser. Like, who's a musician that's a really good improviser, and then who's another musician that's really good at composition but is not really good at improvisation? I mean, maybe it's like the Beatles aren't... So, Pavarotti. <laughs> so, wait. No, I, I think I got it. I think I got it. The Beatles stopped touring in 1965 or 1966 to only focus on albums. And they made their, okay. they made their craft about, let's make the best album, which required just time and thoughtfulness and just crafting something and then working on it until it's ready. Um, And so Rolling Stones, uh, on the flip side in some regard you could say, is all about the show. And, you know, there's like a hundred live albums of the Rolling Stones. Like there's so many different famous concerts that they gave and there's so many live versions. Or... Actually, better one. The Who. The Who has a bunch of live albums that are sometimes better than the studio album. And so you want to hear them for that live energy, for that like vitality, for something new and different each time they go out. And so I think what we have here is the Beatles versus the Who. They're both really good, but they're not good to... Well, I like listening to them both. Maybe this isn't a good metaphor. Maybe this is why well, I'm not allowed to... That's fine. People. It's not going to be in the podcast anyway, so... No, it'll make it. It'll make it. I'm editing it. I'm keeping it in. But you know what I'm getting at? It's just No, I yeah, I got I I got you You yeah, got me got 20 you like 30 minutes, minutes ago. ago. Yeah. They finally get to Vince Vaughn's mom's house and his mom is dating his old best friend. I thought this bit worked. I was like, "Finally, you're getting to something that's working." And I don't know why the well, other I mean, bits didn't work, but just this does. Dramatically, that's just or comedically funny, right? Because like a character is put in a situation that is uncomfortable for them and we the audience would be like, "Yeah, that would be uncomfortable for us." It's not like our brothers are punching us in the face. It's like, 
why is my best friend dating my mom? It's hard for me to grok this. And there is just some good writing, and maybe it's just Vince Vaughn writing in the scene with his improvisation because mm-hmm. uh, we get the setup where this guy enters the scene and he we don't really know who he is yet. and he But he looks a lot like Vince Vaughn. Yeah, and so Vince Vaughn is staring daggers at him. He's like, oh, I guess he's in the family and Vince Vaughn doesn't like him. But then right away we learn, oh, he's with his mom. And then this guy says something to the effect of like, hey, man, I'm not trying to be your dad. I'm just trying to be your friend. And Vince Vaughn, perfect, perfect delivery is like, you were my friend. You were my friend. <laughs> whatever your name is. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then you and then you in, started in sixth grade. And then you started sleeping with my mom. And that And I like it was all I great. like the other guy's line. He's like, I wasn't sexually attracted to your mom until I was 30. <laughs> this this was all and I was just so tragic. It's like, okay, so you know how to be funny. Like why couldn't you do this in the other sequences? Yeah, I don't know why. But um and on top of that, they start illustrating some like the other good drama that I liked for the from this movie was when she like was trying out a pregnancy test for a reason that we didn't quite know. And it's like, Ooh, intriguing. And then, then there's like this scene where they're at the mom's house and they're all playing. Oh, taboo. Basically where you just have to like, you can only say certain words and it's a game to prove how good of a couple you are. And the mom's good at it. And, uh, Vince Vaughn's brothers, John Favreau's good at it with his wife. They're scary good at it. And Reese Witherspoon and Vince Vaughn, play the game differently and since they play the game differently they can't find a good they they can't they can't play the game yeah like they so can't get the answers the movie's trying to illustrate like oh they thought they knew each other really well but maybe they don't and uh, i think i think it's trying to more say like they like i guess it's confusing cuz it's more like they want to play the game differently and they can't figure out how to match up how they play the game. Yeah. And that just because kinda... it's, but it's both of those things, right? Yeah. Cause you're right. You're right. Like he, he doesn't quite know um, any of the things about her. And he's like, no, all you're supposed to do is say like, Oh, I drink out of it. Thus it's a cup. Don't tell me a story about you. That would make me think of a cup. Yeah. And Sissy Spacek in the scene is her comedic timing is perfect. And this is what we talked about mm-hmm. with in and out with Rachel is like when you have like very well-trained actors, if they can do drama really well, they can usually do comedy really well. And this is an, an example of that. Sissy Spacek is just a great dramatic actor and here she understands comedic timing. And yeah, I don't know. There's, there's this weird inconsistency in the movie where it's like, well, if the movie was just these characters in this room, I think we could have had a film here. Yeah. Um, so anyway, they end up leaving there even more unhappy than they were. And then we finally get to the meat of the issue that would have made this whole movie a little bit more interesting, which is Reese Witherspoon is interested in having kids and getting married and Vince Vaughn isn't. And so in the in the span of like 10 minutes near the end of the movie, it's like she's like, I want to do this thing. And Vince Vaughn's like, well, I don't. And I thought we were on the same page. And she's like, well, I guess we can't be together then. <laughs> yeah. It's just and like, they break up. Wow, you they have, break up for an hour. You have one fight and you have this, like, I guess we shouldn't be around each other right this second. It's like, nut up, get through the night. Like every other couple, when you have a fight right before you go to a, do a thing. And then, <laughs> and then you have the real fight when you're on your way home, like all the regular people. Well, Ryan, what the movie's trying to tell us is they weren't in a real relationship before that point in time because they didn't have any real plans for the future. (laughs) 
can I I don't want to I don't want to be too personal but I feel like I want to know I want to see if you have a fun story from your past to share about a situation like this where you're going to a thing where uh-huh. there's lots of people and you're with your significant other and then a fight out of it's no one's fault but a fight starts and then sure. you have to table the fight for the entire evening and then unpause the fight when you go home. Have you had can you share share a meaningful story from your past? I mean, I I've definitely had a, a lot of those especially in like a past relationship that <laughs> wasn't a good relationship um there was definitely one thanksgiving like five years ago or so where um like on the way a fight was had over nothing and then but it was one of those thanksgivings where we got there around 10 a.m and didn't leave (sighs) until nine and so the whole the whole thing was like trying to fix it amidst time that you were spending with family and trying to find like those, those hidden alcoves where you could maybe get, maybe get through the fight in, in time to like enjoy the day with each other. Oh man. Do I remember Sarah and I had so many, I feel like that's what dating is about is just getting those days out of your system. So you can be married. (laughs) Cause I feel like (laughs) we don't do that now, but we definitely did that a lot for our first, first few years of dating that, I remember this is jogging my memory of like there were times when we were suddenly alone and then I could just like put in my two cents about something, which was totally unfair because like you get to put in your like combative like, well, blah, 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 blah. And then suddenly you're not alone again. So she can't like retort to that. And so it's kind of like you had the last word, Uh which is totally unfair. Okay, I got a good one. And Robin's actually sitting in the room with me. So um, so she can fact check you. Yeah, (laughs) you'll know this is going to be honest. Um, so, uh, cause that other one was with somebody else, but this one is, this one's a better one. Um, Robin and I had a limited window where we needed to do this, uh, photo shoot where I was taking the photos and she was, uh, doing the modeling basically, but it was in the middle of the mountains and, um, we had to not only hike up there, get the photos after like hiking a long distance and then get back before it was dark. And so we had this window where like we had a like kind of a fight beforehand that didn't get resolved. And we had this decision. It's like, do we go up on this mountain mid fight and try to accomplish this (laughs) thing that is working together and then come back down? Or do we just like try to figure it all out down here and scrap the day? And we to our credit, like this was while we were still dating. I don't even think we were engaged yet. No, we weren't. Um, we went up on the mountain kind of like worked through this like hard day where we were taking shots and definitely not on the same page because (laughs) I mean, we were both trying our hardest, but um, it wasn't until we were coming back down the mountain. Did we like kind of address things and like work it out on the way back down, but we had to table it in order to get through what we came to do. And this couple's (laughs) been together long enough. Maybe they just never fought before. And so they didn't know how to do it, but we wouldn't know. Boo movie. Boo. Wait, wait, we can talk about the movie. I just want to real quick. So were you guys taking these photos and like she would be like grim faced? She was she was carrying a sword the whole time. <laughs> what <laughs> photos were you taking? There's some I'll show them to you. They're they're like some badass photos of her being like a ranger up on a mountain. It's 
just like we we basically had a sword and we were like let's let's do go out and do these awesome photos <laughs> was on, this in the in the middle of the sierra nevadas when was this where know, was i, I? Like six months after we started dating yeah i'm illustrating a point that we're a cool couple she just said we're awesome. I yeah, okay. <laughs> but yeah, I I can just imagine her holding the sword and just like wielding it at you saying like blah 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 Kelly and then you're like okay, 3 2 1 smile and then she would have to <laughs> go into character and like do whatever her I guess she's in a warrior pose, so I guess it doesn't she wouldn't have to do much getting back into character. I personally think that it lent to the moment. Yeah, I think um, I think method wise, you did a you were pretty wise. Really, I did it intentionally. Yeah, <laughs> we'll say that. But yeah, in this movie, doesn't work, and they just needed to make some more firm decisions or do a better job at portraying what decisions that they made. Because I think the movie was saying that they hadn't really taken a hard, good look at their relationship, which was but, fine. But we don't know why. Like, we don't know if, like, I guess we know that they weren't doing it because they've seen how their parents turned out and um, they didn't even want to come close to that. And so instead of taking the chance, they were just going to stay as far away from it as possible. You know, Which, you know that makes me want to ask. I think we would want to see some changes in this film, don't you think? Oh, yeah. I would love to change this movie into a different movie that we watched. Well, we can't change it, but we can rewrite it. So, how would you rewrite the movie? You write your first draft with your heart. And you rewrite with your head. Well, I think um, part of this is to do with the pacing. Because after we leave Vince Vaughn's dad's house, the first house we get to, the movie's already halfway over. And, and um, I mean, maybe I'm not timing that perfectly. But the the amount of time that we spend at these houses... I think needs to be way more condensed, like uh, especially the middle house where where we spend so much time with uh, Reese Witherspoon's mom. And like she she has an extended like five minute sequence where she's chasing this little girl down in order to reclaim a stolen uh, pregnancy test, which is fun and funny. I liked it, but it really made the whole movie drag for me. And I would have um, changed one thing in that scene. And what? she says, she says something really stupid like I'm getting that phone no matter what or something really basic like I'm getting that or not phone I'm getting that pregnancy pen. test or pen yeah. I'm gonna get that pen it would have been funnier if she did like a Game of Thrones thing or like a Watchmen thing where she's like you know you think I'm stuck in here with you and then she could have done something really sinister and just being like but you're stuck in here with me and then do yeah. her rampage and then that would have been funny because that would have been like something fresh but we didn't sure. get that i here um maybe you can strike everything i said before what i would change about this movie is i would not distract from the main plot uh-huh this movie is about the fact that these people don't want to be with their families because their families are hard to be with. And the movie spends the entire time trying to show us how hard the families are to be with. But we can get that from like the first scene in a house, right? And it yeah. can get illustrated and kind of poked at. But what we need this whole movie is like, I think this movie should have started off with Reese Witherspoon finding out that she might be pregnant. 
And that's the whole tension throughout the film is her and Vince Vaughn aren't having a perfect relationship as they usually are because there's this underlying issue that would make their relationship super real. Yeah. And that would have been interesting of like suddenly Reese Witherspoon has to um, confront this aspect to life that she didn't want to do. But now she's being confronted by it and has to figure out who she wants to be. And what if the whole movie she's like not the whole movie, but part of the movie, she's hiding it and having to deal with it herself. And Vince Vaughn is making like the usual cracks they make about how, you know, babies, um, who needs them? Or, you know, I never want to get married, but now those things mean a little bit more to her. And so he doesn't know why she's mad at him, but she keeps getting more and more angry at him. And then she has to come out at one point in time. She's like, we might be having a kid. And it really makes them have to take a, a hard look and he can still have the reaction he has and then go learn a lesson and come back because at the end of this movie, basically he leaves her at her dad's house and she goes into the the house and kind of sees a, a broken family that has pieced everything back together. And he, she is like, you know what? Maybe I can have a real relationship and it's not all horrible all the time. Um, yeah. And the problem here is that she's, you're right. She sees the broken family working together, but we never got to see the broken family. We just saw the one working together. Right. Because we saw all the separate families, but if for some reason, like, Oh, okay. I rewrite this movie. Uh, it wouldn't be called four Christmas. It'd be called one Christmas, but (laughs) yeah. Um, they are in town for the first time because of the, you know, the plane couldn't take off. Yeah. <laughs> and, but they like, so everybody has to meet at the Radisson in order to have Christmas with them or, yeah. or they, they have to meet at the same place in order to have Christmas yeah, together. And, and so everybody. Be... Yeah. Keep going. Keep going. Everybody basically comes and like they don't want it to happen like that. They're like, we'll come over to all of your houses. And they're like, no, no, no. One person's decided that everybody can come or no, they invite everybody to their house. Ah, this is what it would be. They're like, oh, we have to stay here this year. Uh, I guess if everybody can come over, that's the only way we'll do Christmas. And so they they think nobody's going to come because nobody wants to spend time in the same house together. But in reality, everybody comes over and has to do Christmas together. Yeah, and we're seeing moments after moments after moments of the different family members repeating the patterns of decades of, you know, this is why they, this is why this couple got divorced. This is why this couple got divorced. This and these are all the lingering after effects of these breakups, and we're seeing all these broken families. But then you could see this like strange resolution where though they. fought a lot they still have this kind of like understanding and that's what we see is that Dwight Yoakam and Mary Steenburgen and John Voight and whatever John Voight's girlfriend is who doesn't get us like speaking part in this movie they're just getting along and it's kind of like because family's family that John Voight wants to be you know a good grandfather and like that little girl is helping you know keep the family together which is totally true about families so they got yeah they got the end correct in this Mm -hmm. film that we have they just didn't do the beginning or the middle at all correct and so it doesn't work well ryan like just before we get into like our our usual you know things that we do in this podcast if you had to give this movie like a star rating just because we we gave 
happiest season a 2.5 last week yeah uh, with me recommending and you not um but if you had to give a star rating to this one not grading on a curve i guess even though i kind of want to now what would you give this film um i would give it a 1.5 out of four and um i will grant we talked about stars this week and if you if you want to go off the 0.25 calculator that's fine to go off the 0.5 calculator give it the 1.5 because it's not a total loss there were some scenes that i did enjoy and thanks to sissy spacek it's above the one star rating because of her scenes but yeah it's a 1.5 this movie is is not a good movie how about you see well okay watching watching this movie made me like this we haven't even talked about the fact that it's a christmas rom-com like it's Christmas, right? Yeah. This movie didn't get Christmas at all because it, it didn't only in the sense like, of until it's that about, last scene. Yeah, only in the sense that it's about family. But we already agreed it's too little, too late. Yeah, um, but Happiest Season gave me so many more. Like if I was rating Happiest Season again compared to this movie, I would give Happiest Season a three, just because like it gave me so much more than this film did. Mm-hmm. Like even even the stuff that clanged in that movie, I still got so much more out of it. Yeah, this movie, I'm, I just don't. I want to give it a one point two five. If I'm if I'm allowed my quarter, mm-hmm. I I'm not going to dip into the quarters very often. But like I had such a bad like hey, this movie made me laugh every once in a while, and I almost felt dirty for laughing at it. <laughs> yeah, when I did because I was like, there are so many times you have disappointed me film on a on a romantic comedy level i'm throwing it away on a romantic level specifically there were some good comedic moments and i guess maybe i'll just bump it up to 1.5 to be consistent with you in that regard ryan give this movie a give this movie a ramcom oscar just do it no come on i i need the old college try here here how can how can i Give this movie a rom-com Oscar. <laughs> I made it minor chord. How's uh, that? Um, so, well, I kind of... <laughs> okay. Would, would it be easier to give it a rom-com Razzie? No, I'm going to give it best baby spit up because those scenes nailed it for me. They really did. Oh yeah, the spit up scenes was great. So the actual special effects of the baby spit up, well done, guys. You got that right. Not not that you got it right I, as an accurate, but you made a good joke out of it, a very good physical yeah. gag out of it. See, it's funny because I thought you would hate those scenes because, like, baby spit up can be like extreme, but that was some like that was some over the top spit up. And you're so about like pregnancy and baby accuracy in these movies. So that's audiences the thing. will remember. That's the thing is that uh, let me take a little detour because we we started talking about like the tone of its comedy and it it going into like Step Brothers territory. Like it was kind of like an Adam McKay movie for a while and then it wasn't. Sure. So mm-hmm. the spit up thing felt like an accent mark in the movie that it was a moment that was exaggerated but still in this believable world. So. From that point of view, I bought it, but that was the that was the um, accent, and you couldn't go higher than the baby spit up gag. What 
broke it was when they went to church and there's the whole gag of like the church is going gaga for the pastor at this like low rent, low budget mega church. Like maybe they're trying to make it look like a mega church, but they just shot it at a basic middle class church. So it definitely doesn't look like a mega church that the way that actual mega churches go, like it wasn't a Joel Austin sized church. So if that was your what your intent was, well, you missed that mark. But you were they were trying to set up the audience like they were go, like like they were seeing the Beatles, like they were going nuts. And I guess the joke was, while religious people can be crazy about pastors, and isn't that a little fucked up? And I'm like, I agree. As a person who goes to church every week, I think pastor worship oh, is nuts. Not these days, <laughs> huh? Well, yeah, I haven't not these been, days. I haven't been to church, but before the pandemic, I went to church every week, and yeah, we stay away from the people who go gaga over pastors, and so I get that you're kind of satirizing a certain type of Christian, which is actually a pretty... So I'm not against the joke, because the joke is full of, like, piercing truth, so I'm like, no, you're correct, that is a funny thing, but this movie, up until then hasn't been a satire so why are you doing satire now like it was just kind of like a different kind of comedy altogether when we got yeah to that I, I i would say that um what this movie does is it doesn't pick a tone and stick with it um yeah and in regards to the the puke scene this was another scene that made me dislike vince vaughn's character more again because he just he can't handle like baby spit up he can't handle any throw up and he's like i'm just gonna throw up if that's the case um that's gonna make me throw up which that's a thing like some people can't handle that yeah and so you know so, trigger warning but i thought it hold was on, hold on you were asking me about <laughs> it i was trying to explain why i was okay with it okay go ahead i was okay with it because i was already on board with his character not being a kid's guy which we we got out of the previous episode with his nephews so he doesn't know how to be around kids with standard reason that he doesn't know how to around be around babies and it's just kind of like if that's what you're gonna do is have your main character be a prickly character who isn't a family guy and isn't like wanting to be around kids i'm fine with that but like be more committal about it because you're trying to say he's a really great guy but he's got this weird thing about kids and it's just kind of like, you can't have both right now. You're going to have to go all in on one of them. Uh, for me, what I was more referencing was the fact that he he can't stand the, the puke, the throw up, the baby spit up. Uh-huh. But that doesn't smell that bad. Babies are just drinking milk. It's fine. But on top of that, I don't think that was the best way because they need a way to keep him downstairs and to get Reese Witherspoon away Uh so that all the ladies can talk to him downstairs. Uh Make it make it that he wants to come with her and help change the baby and clean her up upstairs. But he wouldn't um, want to clean whatever it is. No, no, not clean the baby. He wants to go help her clean up. Yeah. Not that he's grossed out by the puke, but one of the older women keeps him down there and they're like, oh, no, no, you're staying down here with us. And he has to stay down there with the ladies against his will. Otherwise it's just, well, I get to not be around the throw up. It just, the comedy just didn't land for me as much. Okay. My rom-com Oscar is 
best house. Um, I really liked Sissy Spacek's house. I thought the design of it was cool. It was probably just a house that existed as it was. Good job, people. Location scouts, I'm giving it to you. Best location scouting for that house because it was a cool house. Way to go, studio budget. All these houses. You want? Hey, Ryan, guess how much money was spent on this film? Uh, Let's see. Reese Witherspoon at the top of Production budget. Yeah, Reese Witherspoon at the top of her game. Vince Vaughn, like this is post-Wedding Crashers, post-Dodgeball. I'm going to say 30 million. Keep going. 50 million. Keep going. Oh, come on. Serious? Keep going. 60 million. Keep going. No, 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 no. This feels, yeah. I feel dirty. 70. Keep going. 80. 80 million dollars. Oh, my God. How much did it make? Um, a lot. Let's look. Um, let's look up how much it made. Box office. It made gross USA um, 120 million. Wow. Worldwide 164. Well, so it made its money back and its its like um, advertising budget back as well. Because if you didn't yeah. know, generally speaking, especially around this time, um, if you have a specific budget for a film, you generally double whatever their production budget was, and that will also equal their marketing. It budget. Covers everything. Marketing um, and just the infrastructure of having a film of that size. So again, this is making me want to like hail Rachel and be like, no, I get it. There was, there was money put behind, um, money and studio clout put behind, uh, happiest season, not half as much. And the movie did way better. (laughs) Yeah. Um, and so that is a, that is a triumph and it's good and it, it's indicative of good filmmaking, but the, like this movie is, all the more travesty for having that kind of budget and being this bad. Wow. Just wow. <laughs> uh, but maybe Ryan, maybe there's something that can like really bring us out of this, this like five hour long episode that we've been in. Who would you have fallen in love with? And who would you ride away into the sky away from this movie and save from, oh, excuse me, save from this movie. Are there any circumstances in which uh, the two of you might be more than just good Friend. The truth of it is, I've loved you from the first second I met you. But mostly I hate the way I don't hate you. Not even close. Not even a little bit. Not even at all. You have bewitched me, body and soul. And I love, I love, I love you. I know. I'm gonna say Kristen Chenoweth. Because she's everything I look for in a woman, except she's blonde. <laughs> um, oh, but but in this so, movie, she's actually one of the more perfect characters. Other than the fact that she gives her little sister shit, she's still one of the best characters because she's just yeah, a good person. And she's really nice to her sister at the end, huh? Yeah, and she cares. And it's just like, why wouldn't like? I guess you wouldn't want to be around your sister because she keeps teasing you about these childhood things that you should probably deal with. But, and I get it. Maybe she gives her a hard time about not having kids or something. Like, th- there's reasons, but not that many. Yeah, I needed a more deep-seated reason why you can't actually spend time with her. Because it's like me and my brother have a bunch of disagreements, but we talk every week. I don't I don't think this movie was saying that, like, she doesn't want to spend time with her, her sister. I think it was much more saying not with her, her parents, her mom and dad, the family as a whole. Um, but yeah, no, Kristen Chandler was cool. 
Yeah, I just want to make it very clear. If I run into Kristen Chenoweth like on the street, I'll probably like get tongue tied. I'll be probably so kind of in awe of her. So <laughs> that's cool. She's she's super superbly talented. Yeah. Um, shoot, is it Sissy Spacek or Reese Witherspoon for me? Um, I mean, uh, I mean, given what Sissy says, Sissy Spacek is into in this movie, I think you've got better shot at Sissy Spacek. <laughs> <laughs> that's true um no i'm i'm gonna say reese witherspoon though because i feel like she has like this turn in this movie where she's like you know what i'm gonna take things more seriously and i'm yeah i don't know i'm gonna say she seemed cool enough in this film so yeah reese witherspoon um i'm i'm really putting like 10 percent of my effort into this i'm so sorry audience i mean the movie is only asking so much of you so I I want to say I want to show off right now because you've you've shown off about this and I'll show off about this, but I met Reese Witherspoon once in life in real life in life oh nice. in real life uh huh I didn't so much meet her as we locked eyes with each other across a room, so you know I'd call that meeting. That's Would like you- saying you're friends with somebody that um like you met at a doctor's office who was there for an appointment. <laughs> no, we locked eyes. Not even eyes. that. They're we closer locked, friends. <laughs> we locked eyes. Like Okay, what did the eyes say? Hello. <laughs> Is that what both of <laughs> Yeah. So, like, oh wait. You're you're kind of having a sleepless in Seattle hello hello moment. Yeah, here. yeah. It was just all nonverbal. Oh, okay. <laughs> so, the real um, story is I was working at living room theaters. Um, doing my server shift and I was behind the register and she was there with her people because they were shooting wild at the time and they were having Mm -hmm. their, um, uh, I can't remember. I think it was so that she could watch some dailies um, or she was going to look at something and they, they needed to use our theater to look at some footage. Um, And she, it's kind of weird now that I'm thinking about it, but she was, hanging out in the lobby with her people and her people were talking to the manager and Reese was just um, standing in the corner, just waiting patiently. And I just, I mean, I don't, I'm not trying to make a joke about this. I, I genuinely like, as you see a stranger, you kind of like make eye contact for a few seconds and you just kind of hold the gaze and then you just kind of break contact and that's it. And I just got the sense of, she was just kind of like, Maybe I'm reading a lot into the situation, but she was just kind of embarrassed to be there that people were there talking about her as if she weren't there, but she was just kind of this presence that was being handled because her people were just kind of like, Reese needs this, Reese needs that, we're looking out for her. And I just saw this woman just kind of sitting there just like, I don't want to be a bother, but you know, this is my job. Yeah. And she, I mean, she just, it just seemed kind of like one of those lonely, like a Notting Hill moment where it's like, it's kind of sucks that you kind of have to go through this whole thing. You're just doing your job, but it seems like there's this whole to do about you doing your job. And yeah, it was a, it was an interesting human connection that I didn't go up to her. I didn't say like, I'm a big fan. Cause I was a big, I am a big fan, but I was just, just kind of like, I think you just kind of are having a quiet day and I'm just going to kind of respect your space and just stay back here. She seems like the kind of person that is, uh, gosh, I hate saying things like this, but um, pretty grounded. 
she seemed very much an Anna Scott. She just seemed really cool and didn't take her celebrity as anything. But you've had a lot of celebrities too. Who would your Reese Witherspoon be? Most of mine were embarrassing. Okay, can I can I say what How about the Steve interaction? Zahn? <laughs> Steve Zahn was cool. I got to play pool with Steve Zahn in Spokane when he was filming Nights of Badassdom. Um, no, the um, can you talk about Michael Bean? That was cool. Yeah, I can talk about Michael Bean. Michael Bean And talk about it in relation to the Mandalorian. Yeah, yeah, he was recently in he was the other bad guy in the most recent episode of The Mandalorian and uh, I was working on a movie that he was in. Um and he was a super nice dude. Um I don't know, like there's there's a that was quite a, a movie and a lot of stuff happened on that and so I don't want to reveal a lot of like odd details that went along with that production, but um but it's yeah, good was, that you're you're you were hired to just kind of be there for whatever he needed, and he wasn't. Oh, he no, was no, just no. a I, cool guy. No, I mean, I, thought, I was, I was hired to. I was, I was a second AD on that film, um, oh. but I did end up handling uh, him a lot of the time. Um, Not that as, he needed handling, but just you're just there. You no, were. no, he's he was just a really chill dude. He's um, kind of getting on a little bit in years, but he still got it. Um, mm-hmm. yeah, he was great he was, in the Mandalorian. He was so good in that episode. Yeah, he was, he was a pretty solid dude. And like he would, w- one of my favorite things about like when, whenever like a big time celeb steps on set is when they like, cause a lot of times you're like, I just want to be left alone. I'm just here to do my job. And that's completely understandable. But there's those few who are like big enough celebs that they're cool enough to have like been in the Terminator, but they're still down to earth enough where they'll like hang out outside, just talk to you guys about like, you know, baseball or the movies they've seen recently or like what's going on. He seemed like that, that chill kind of dude where whenever we had like a down moment, he'd be like, yeah, let's just sit around and talk. That's great. Oh, can you yeah. tell your Scarlett Johansson story? No, I'm not going to tell my Scarlett Johansson story. It's really embarrassing. It's good. You um, guys. It's really good. Uh, maybe, maybe one day, maybe one day you can get me to tell it, but I'm just, but gonna, that is I'm not just this gonna, day, but I'm, Oh, okay. But when we get to a Scarlett Johansson rom-com, we have to, can we make okay. that the rule that that's the day you tell us your Scarlett okay, Johansson Okay. But you story. can't sabotage me. <laughs> no, but you get to tell the story. I won't, I it's won't so say embarrassing. anything, but I'm just going to put it way out there for our audience that it's there yeah, that yeah, he's yeah, had yeah, an interaction. Okay. I will commit it's not bad. Bit. It's not. It's not. It's not. No, gross it's not or anything. that bad. But uh, but uh, I'll commit to this bit for later. Okay. Cool. Um, okay. Well, Ryan, uh, what are we watching next week? Well, uh, no, we've already we've already made a choice because um, because it's Christmas and we get to make the rules and we've decided already preemptively. <laughs> yes, what Santa, we're get out of our get out of our space. So, um, in honor of Rachel, we're watching the Family Stone. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Because if, if um, I don't know actually if Rachel's seen The Family Stone, but I really want her to watch it and I want her to watch it soon and I want to be able to talk with her about it. And I'm assuming that once we watch this movie, we will end up getting some mail from, from Rachel, <laughs> either either good or bad. But she does have a point. Like we shouldn't be comparing movies that, you know, we haven't necessarily canonized. And I feel like when we actually make an episode about it, we can, we talk, we can talk more freely about a movie. Like I feel like I already cheated talking about the proposal because we have a proposal like, all day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Canonize the proposal as a movie that we should all know, but we're going to do the family stone because that's a Christmas movie that you introduced to me. And I'm really glad that you did. And it is in some ways kind of a, um, baseline for what we believe to be a great Christmas rom-com and yeah. kind of 
kind of a cookbook of what of the recipes that we're hoping that other films could use? I'd say it's probably the opposite of this movie that we just watched. Yes. Um, in in both quality and um, just overall like rewatchability. It's got the laughs. It's got the cries. It's got the ha-has. It's got the boo-hoos. It's got everything. <laughs> it's got the me-mas. It's got the pop-has. Um, well, where can people find us, Ryan, if they want to find us anymore after this episode? <laughs> Please write us, and we really will have essay-length emails with you back and forth um, at romcomgents at gmail.com or on Instagram or on Facebook. You know what? DM us. Email us, whatever it is, we're game to talk about it and learn new perspectives because... And just... Oh, go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say, I do think criticism is a competitive sport, but I think it's a communal sport. And it's really, you know, it's not enough to just have our have our perspectives and be done with it. We, we like to hear how, how other people, whether they agreed with us or disagreed with us, so it's always Absolutely. fun. Absolutely. Because it's always um, fun. we need to... I Like, Ryan and I are... Ryan a little less so are malleable um, critics. And um, I, I think uh, where where we can both uh, learn is uh, that everybody has a love for these movies. Like there's all like even for Christmases, there's going to be somebody who loves those movies. And finding out the reason why somebody loves something is a way to broaden your own horizons, huh? Yeah. And I, uh, it's it's really weird that with rom-coms, see, this is why I think we should do a podcast for every genre because rom-coms, I am more kind of laid back, man. I'm like, I'll, I'll accept films a little bit more often than you and you'll maybe go a quarter under me um, on some films. But I feel like in other genres, it's the inverse because like, you know, one of your favorite movies is Brick and like, we've had so many discussions about why you think brick is so good and why you love it so much. And I'm just like, ah, you're just not going to change my mind. <laughs> I'm sure. No, I'm that's fine. And, but honestly, <laughs> like I, I like brick for a lot of reasons, but, um, the last time we watched it, I was like, I, I, I can, I can see your points too. Like, I, I don't think it's a perfect movie by any means. There's a lot that is going on in that film that is kind of wacko, but it's still something I enjoy a lot. Yeah, no one's going to take away that enjoyment from you. And and that's what's great exactly. about our conversations is that we get to understand each other more and like understand what someone is looking for something. And that's why I was so excited to show you Knives Out. I'm like, oh, it's got these things about that that did the same thing in Brick. And I'm, I'm really excited to ha- see it with you. And it's the communal aspect of film that I think is yeah. really fun. Yeah, and that's that's one of the great things about having um, having like this film podcast is we can share that joy with people. Not we didn't do that so much with this episode, and maybe we could have done a little bit more last episode. But I I really do think that I'm in this this game, and so are you to kind of share that joy that mm-hmm. we have over these these movies. Yeah. Uh, well, uh, so that's Family Stone next week, Ryan. I love you. And uh, I'll go to whatever Christmas you want. <laughs> oh, that's great because um, I am pretending that you look like Kristen Chenoweth, so I really love you. Uh, I'll be a bye bye. And this is where we will say a goodbye. Ryan and Kelly must bid you adieu. 
Thank you for listening to our review. Rate and subscribe, we'll even take a bribe. So see you next week on the Gentleman's Guide. To rom-coms.